All right, good morning, y'all. <laughs> so, um, first of all, how's everybody going? Good, good. Good, yeah, like, the ans- like that answer. We are blessed, huh, living here. Yeah, that's good. Um, so, I feel like that the Lord is continually putting me in a place to make myself and you guys uncomfortable by what we're talking about, which I think is a good thing in, in a lot of ways. Um, so hopefully in the next week or two or three, or maybe till we get done with this series, we'll just be kind of be open to what the Spirit might say to us, the church. And um, starting with today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. And um, uh, so our current series, if you haven't been here or need a reminder, current series is the Word and the Spirit and how, they, how they're both essential for our growth in godliness. So we need, we need the Word of God and we need the Spirit of God and we need them both working in full measure in our lives uh, so that we can become the people of God that, that we need to be. And we can't have one without the other. We can't overemphasize one. We need them both. And so, um, as we turn to passages of Scripture, we understand that it's the Holy Spirit who wrote these things. And so, like for me, I have this tendency to put up some walls sometimes, and I just came face to face with this again this week. Like we sometimes put up, I sometimes put up some walls with certain verses and or in the Bible, certain passages, or try to like say, like kind of talk my way out of having to obey them. I don't know if you ever, if you know what I'm talking about. And so we're going to kind of hit some of those today and in the next few weeks. So just be encouraged um, by the Word of God, even though sometimes it's hard, sometimes it challenges us, sometimes it makes us rethink kind of some of our traditions or our religion um, to get us back to that place where the Holy Spirit might really be speaking to us. And that's where we want to go. That's kind of the whole point of this whole series. And so if you get a little bit challenged, I've said this a couple weeks ago, if you get a little bit challenged, if you get a little bit like, oh, I just, I don't know about that, really like pray about it, press into it with, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, and see if maybe he's wanting to stretch you a little bit in, uh, in, his, in your relationship with him. Um, so today we're going to be in Romans 8, we kind of Kind of like a little mini-series within our series. We're going to look at last week, this week, and one more next week. We're going to look at three passages from the book of Romans, chapter 8, which I said, mentioned last week, I think is kind of like the greatest hit playlist of, of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if there's one chapter in Scripture, like it's just over and over and over again, we're hit with how the Spirit and the Word work together. This is just such an amazing chapter. So I want to take a few weeks and look at it. And um, last week we were talking about how um, the first four verses, how we have liberty because we have the Holy Spirit. And we looked, we looked up actually a verse in 1 Corinthians that talks about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty or freedom. And we kind of said like, 
Romans 8 is like, the whole chapter is about that. Like, how can we have this freedom or this liberty because we walk in the Spirit? Today we're going to skip down to verse 12 mainly, 12 through 17, and we're going to look at how we can have new life in the Holy Spirit. So if we have liberty in the Holy Spirit, today we're going to say we have new life in the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? What does it mean to have new life in the Spirit? Some of you have been believers for a long time, and so you kind of think, well, how can I have new life when I've been a believer for fill in the blank, however many years? Well, that's kind of what we want to get to, that, that it's kind of like a daily renewal in our lives. And so we're going to see that, hopefully, as we go on today. Now, with this new life that we have in the Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about some new responsibilities that we have, and we're going to talk about some new benefits that we get. And these may not be new in the sense that you're just going to experience them for the first time today. Maybe it will be for some of you, but new in the sense that, that even though we may have been in possession of these for many years, we want them to be fresh, don't we? We want our relationship with, with God to be drinking from living waters, not stagnant waters, right? So that's kind of where we want to go uh, this morning. Now, start off with the with telling you a little story. I've had some bad cars in my day, driven some bad vehicles. And um, in fact, like well into, well, well, well into my adult years, I'll be a certain age this year, which a lot of, with discouraged a lot of men my age, I'll be 50 in a few months. And up until like maybe three or four years ago, I was driving junker cars. I finally got a pretty good car. Now I get to drive I'm blessed, right, John? But up until I had this van, we had this Kia van, and it was so bad that our kids actually made up a song of all the problems that the van had. It was, what was to that Frozen song? That, like, 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 uh, well, I was someone like, the, the, the window is broke, and so's that door. Like, the air conditioning doesn't work anymore. Like, like, it was like a whole song. Like, and, and we just drove this thing around because that's what God had given us. And so living in, Pas- or living in San Miguel, but working in Paso, um, in, the, in times like today, the summer months, we've been blessed with like really nice weather this year so far. But like normally you leave Paso and, you, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's warm, not too bad, but then you drive, you know, north on Highway 101 and you get over like that by the gas station, you get over that little hill and you come down the other side and it's like, it's like the heat wave, like, like Seth, you know what I'm talking about? And so no air conditioning, so I had the windows down, now it's like a hair dryer blowing in your, like what's worse? So I roll the window up, now it's like, it's like, oh man, Lord, we need a new car. And we got one, so praise the Lord. But, um, you know, that car was so bad, like, every time we filled it up with gas, it, like, doubled its value. I mean, it was a piece of junk, like this, this van. And, but that's not even the worst car that I had. Way back in college, so uh, mid-90s, I was in college, and I had this old Ford Ranger pickup. Like, Dave used to have one, but this one was old. It was, like, an 80s Ford Ranger, white and it just had all kinds of problems mechanically. So one time, like, it wouldn't start. It just, I couldn't get it to start. I couldn't get it to start. What's wrong with it? I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. 
So it, had a, it was a manual transmission, so I used to get creative, right? Just park it on hills and, you know, put it in neutral, let it roll, and then pop the clutch. Boom, and I could get it. All right. And so, but it just wouldn't start for like a couple of months. So being a poor college student, didn't have any money to fix it, didn't, you know, and I didn't know how to fix it, and um, couldn't buy another car. So like, what do I do? So I had this friend, and everybody's got a friend, right, who can, knows about cars, his name was Ryan. Hey, Ryan, he's like, look at my, he's like, I'll go and look at your car. Come on, let's go. Okay, so we go down there, and he's like, he's pop, popping the hood, and he's doing stuff, you know, that people do in cars. And like, I, I'm going to get it to work. Like, he was determined. I'm going to get it to work. And he's fiddling around with stuff and, like, doing things in the engine. And I'm like, uh, I had no idea what he's doing. And he's like, um, finally, he, he, like, he's working on it for a while. And he's like, hey, have you, have you checked the fuses? And I'm like, it can't be a f fuse, can it? And he's like, and he's like, he goes over, you know, in the car and pops. Like, sure enough, one of the fuses was bad. He takes it out, puts a new fuse in there. Vroom, starts right up. Like, months of dealing with this. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's, what's going on here? Uh, for months, I, like, needless trouble had become routine for me. It was like I just dealt with it because like I okay that's just the way it's going to be and it was a fuse. There was power there the whole time and uh, man I just a bad fuse kept me from putting the power to work and that's the message of Romans chapter 8 you guys that that there's power for us as believers when when the, when the Holy Spirit moves in, the power of God moves in to our lives. And, um, and He's ready to roar to life. But sometimes we live like we've got a bad fuse or a, or a dead battery. And, um, and in verses 9-11 through 11 of Romans chapter 8, it reminds us that when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit, and, I, and, and that's a good word, right? Controlled by the Holy Spirit. When, we, when He is in charge of our lives, He lives in us, and the Spirit of life in us, He says in verse 11, is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that took power. Think about that. The power that it took to bring Jesus back from the dead is the power that lives in us. And, um, and yet sometimes we just live like we got a dead battery. And with that new um, power, you know that great line from the Spider-Man movie, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's true here today for us as believers uh, we have new responsibilities, so we're going to look at three new responsibilities. Remember when I say new, I mean fresh, and also we're going to look at some new benefits that we have towards the end, if we have time. I, um, so here we go. First of all, um, in verse 12, Romans 8, 12, here's the first, uh, because we have the life, new life of the Holy Spirit in us, we have a new obligation Look at verse 12. I'll read it with, with you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated 
to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Now stop there for a minute. If we're, if, if we're obligated to someone or something, um, what does that mean? It means that we're bound by duty to them. We, we owe something to them. Or we could say it like this, um, we're a debtor. Okay? If you if you've piled up some credit card stuff, money on your credit card, well, you owe debt to somebody, to whatever bank you're using. Um, uh, as, as believers, before we knew Jesus, though, um, we were obligated to our sinful nature, Paul says. It means we were in debt to our sinful nature. We were bound up by our sin. Right? Hard truth today, but that's truth. That's what it is. We were bound up by our sin. But when we're saved, and, and when, the, when the Holy Spirit moves in and brings this new life into us, He also brings with Him a, a bunch of other things, including peace into our hearts. And because, although this verse doesn't say it, it's certainly implied here that um, we formerly were obligated to sin, but now that we have new life, we're obligated to what? To God or the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to this new life. Or we have a new obligation. We're no longer obligated to sin. We're now obligated to the Spirit. To live according to the Spirit. Not live according to the flesh. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a minute. So that's the first thing. Um... We have this new life, so we have a new obligation. And this new obligation means we have a new way to live. Look at verse 13. He just continues the thought here. We don't live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we have a new way of life. And it's in this verse that Paul shows two ways to live and their consequences. One way to live, we live a life that follows after the sinful nature. To follow after the sinful desires of the flesh. And for the unbeliever who does not have the Spirit of God in them, this is the natural way to live. To do whatever you want to do, um, to live however you want to live, fulfilling whatever pleasure that comes your way, whatever feels right, that's the way of the flesh. And um, back in chapter 1 of Romans, Paul gives a pretty detailed description of this, what this kind of life looks like. And I don't want to go back there and spend time to read it if you're interested in that. You can do it. Just go back and read Romans 1, especially verses 18 to 32. He lists a whole bunch of um, sin there, a whole bunch of ways in which people live according to the flesh. And we think that, well, the good news is, right, that I'm a, I'm a believer. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I've got the Word of God. Um, I've got everything working on my team so I'm not going to have to deal with that stuff anymore. Is that your experience? Okay, 
Sometimes it probably is, Trent, right? Sometimes you probably live according to the Spirit. Yeah, right. And sometimes, though, I, I appreciate your honesty, sometimes we fall back into that and begin to live in the flesh. Well, Paul says here in Romans 8 that because we have the Spirit, we're no longer obligated to live that way. We don't have to live that way. We can live lives free from sin because we have the Spirit in us. We don't have to live that life that's characterized by sinful living. That's the normal way of life before we know Jesus, before we're filled with the Spirit of life. And that kind of life leads, Paul says here, to death. And certainly spiritual death, that's to, to be true, and sometimes even physical death. When we're living like the world and doing stupid things, sometimes those things affect our actual physical body as well as our soul, our spiritual self. So Paul's warning to us believers here today um, is this. Even though we're saved, even though we're filled with the Spirit of life, we have the ability to choose to go back and live this kind of life, this lifestyle of sin, this lifestyle of the flesh. Um, to choose a lifestyle of sinful living, um, a lifestyle that's uncharacteristic of a Christian, a lifestyle that gives into what the sinful nature desires. And he strongly urges believers what? Not to do it. Not to live that kind of life. He urges us to, in fact, live a new kind of life. A life that puts to death the deeds of the sinful nature. A lifestyle that is characterized by holiness and devotion to God and being led by the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to actively work on growing to be more like Jesus. And so we do this, as you probably already know, in part by putting to death any sin in our heart or any sin in our mind or any word or any action or any attitude. But how do we do this? Like, how do we consistently do this? Put to death the deeds of the flesh and live according to the Spirit. How do we do this? Um, because day after day after day, we're constantly solicited to follow the flesh. To follow the ways of the world instead of following the ways of Jesus. So the key to victorious living is... What, if you had to guess? What have we been talking about? The key to victorious living is, does not <clears throat> originate within us. The key to victorious living is the Holy Spirit that's living in us. And when the Holy Spirit works together with the Word that He wrote, the Scriptures, then we can begin to put forth effort and we should put forth effort, all the effort that we can. But if the spirit of life is not at work within us, we will fail. 
We will eventually go back to our old lifestyles. It's only by the power of the Spirit that we will succeed and live and have the new life that we were made to live. And this new Spirit-led lifestyle is accompanied with the third obligation that we have, and that is... um, or I should have said the third responsibility, and that is we have a new relationship with God. New relationship with God. One of the coolest things about being a parent, and um, kids are getting older, um, but one of the coolest things about being a parent and watching your kids grow up is watching them to grow up to be kind of like you. Like, that's a thing that I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't think that's prideful. I don't mean it that way. But I mean it that it's a, it's a joy to watch kids grow up. But, you know, that can be good or bad, right, as parents, because um, depending on how we act, um, sometimes, you know, I see the, my bad parts in my kids, which is not great, not fun. But it is fun to see the good parts um, come forth in my kids, um, some by way they talk or some of the things they like. Um, uh, it's neat to kind of see them take on our traits as parents. Um, in a lot of cases, um, at least in my experience, um, they not only take on things that you do, but they become better at them. And I think that's one of the joys as a parent to not only want to see your kids grow to your level, you want to see them excel way past. And that's certainly true. I could, I could take hours to tell you about the, my kids and all the things they have excelled and way past me. Um, I won't. Um, but this can be, this same thing can be said about our relationship with our Heavenly Father, can it? That um, the more we know him, the more we spend time with Him, the more we become like Him. Um, the more things we, the more we do the things He does, and 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 we love the things He loves because we want to be like Him. Just like kids growing up looks at their dad and they want to be like a, a a godly example, we look at our heavenly Father and we want to be like Him. At least that's what should be going on. With us, And so we read the book, right? We read his words given to us. And, we, and he tells us a lot of things that he wants us to do and a lot of character, characteristics that we can have to be more like him. And so we need to read the book. But um, all I'm going to say a bold statement right now. Reading the book's not good enough. Okay? If we, all we do is read the book, it's not good enough. This book has power... Yeah, the words of it are powerful, but by itself, it's just it's just a book, and we've talked about that in in, in we've talked about it in detail in a in a, a while ago, and I don't want to go back into that today. I'll just tell you quickly what I mean, so you don't start throwing stones at me as a heretic. Um, I mean that um, when we read these words, we need the Spirit to make them come alive in our lives. And we, then we need to go and do what they say. We need to obey them, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because anybody, unbeliever or believer, can read the words of the book and, if, and they can just be words. 
But when the Spirit brings them to life in our lives is when they become powerful and when our lives begin to change and we become, we, we're transformed more and more and more day by day into the likeness of Jesus. Um, that's why in verse 14, we read this, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. And, and I don't want to exclude ladies, right? Um, it's just a general term there, so... I'll just change that word to children there. For all of those led by God's Spirit are God's children. How can we know we have a relationship with God when we are being led by the Spirit of God? So to be led by the Spirit, it's, a, um, it's an ongoing lifestyle which involves progressively putting to death the deeds of the flesh, like we were talking about, um, and constantly growing in the likeness of Jesus. And we do that through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Um, generally speaking, this is true of all Christians, I would say, that um, because all of us have the Holy Spirit living in us, but specifically, however, there's um, certainly increasing levels of being led by the Spirit of God. And I know even in a, a crowd of this size, there's increasing levels of being led by the Spirit of God. And that's because um, some of us are active, more actively pursuing the Spirit than others of us. And that's just the truth. It's not a... It's not a critique on you. It's more of like a jab at us, right? Let's, if we, we, we see somebody who's actively pursuing the Spirit, let's, don't we want to be like that? I do. I don't want to be like left out. I don't want to be like um, just comfortable in, in my whatever. I want to be challenged in my relationship with the Lord. I want to be um, pushed to pursue more of the Holy Spirit in His ways. And... Um, so we need to be growing in the Spirit. And the more uh, fully, as people, we're being led by the Spirit, the more completely we're going to be obedient to God and be conformed to His character and holiness. I've said this before, that someday I'm going to get the courage to preach a series or maybe teach a series on uh, something like this. All the verses in the Bible that we should take seriously, but we don't. Like something like that, because there's a lot of them, isn't there? You read a verse and you're like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to do that, or it's hard, or it's like I don't understand it, so I'm just going to ignore that one. And so we just put it away and we don't do it. And there's a bunch of those. There's, if we're just honest, there's a bunch of those verses like that. And, and it doesn't matter like what theological spectrum you're on, there's a bunch of verses for all of us. Some of us, um, you know what I mean by that, and if you don't, you will by the end of today, maybe, um, or certainly by the end of this series. Um, the leading of the Holy Spirit, though, includes both obedience to the commands of Scripture, because we certainly want to do that, and um, also being sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit throughout the day, and we certainly want to do that. These promptings are going to always 
And this is just my opinion now. I don't have a chapter and verse for this, but I think these promptings of the Holy Spirit are always going to lead us towards God and towards His holy standard. And they're never going to urge us to act contrary to Scripture. And so the more we are led and carried along by the Holy Spirit, the more fully we're going to understand Him and the more the greater we're going to enjoy a new relationship with God. And I think that's where we all want to get to. So, what time is it? We got plenty of time some, for some reason. And we're going to talk a few minutes now as we um, get towards the end here. So we've talked about three new responsibilities that we have because we have a new life in the Holy Spirit. And again, some, those are not ground-shaking, brand-new things you've probably only heard for the first time today. You've probably heard them multiple times. So let, let, the, let the Spirit, though, work with that in you. And if you need to grow in one of those three areas, or all three, be willing to do that. And so um, I just want to talk here for a few minutes about some of the benefits that we have. Because we have this new life, and when we're actively pursuing a relationship uh, with God through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, um, there's going to be some benefits that are going to come into our lives. And boy, that's a, we could talk about that for, you know, days, probably all the benefits that we have, but we're just going to limit ourselves. I just saw a few here in this passage, so we're just going to limit ourselves to um, these next few verses here in Romans 8. Um, so here we go. Here's the first one. Uh, it's in verse 15. Uh, it says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption. Let's stop there. One of, the, one of the benefits that we have because we have new life in the Holy Spirit is that we are adopted into his family. That's a pretty good one. You like that? Um, it, it, uh, when I was in seminary, um, this, is, this became one of my favorite things to study. The, this idea of how we've been adopted into the family of God. It's an amazing, amazing thing. that um, it, and, and it's so great that it has like a positive momentum in our world today, just out there. In fact, there are several families in our church, and actually over the years, some have moved on to different places, but um, there's been several families that are still here today that have adopted kids into their family and... Um, or maybe are in the process of doing that. And it's so awesome when, uh, when someone has the heart for a child that, that maybe other people don't have a heart for, uh, for whatever reason. Um, maybe the, a kid would not otherwise have a family. Um, and so, you know, a family reaches out and, and takes that child and brings them in to their family, and that, and that child, once adopted, is literally and legally part of that family, um, with all the benefits of that family, and all the rights of any natural-born member of that family. And um, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and, um, and enters into us, this verse 15, it says that we receive 
The spirit of what? Say it out loud. Adoption. We receive the spirit of adoption, meaning we're brought into God's family with all the legal rights of of a natural-born child. It's not something that we already possessed. It was something that was added to our life. I want you to consider this. Um, By birth, we are not God's children. And that, some of you may disagree with that or like question that saying, but think about it for a minute. By birth, we are not God's children. The only way we enter into God's family is through adoption. There's only one true son of God. Who is that? Jesus. Correct answer. All other children of God are not his natural children. We're all adopted children. We've all been brought into him. That's a, that, does that thought kind of blow you away? Does it, does it shake up some cobwebs in your brain a little bit? It did to me this week as I began to think about that. When God adopts us, we become his children. We once did not belong to him. and He went out and found us and brought us in, now loves us and given us all the responsibility and all the benefits of a natural-born child. And who's the natural-born child? Jesus. So we have all the benefits and um, what's the word I'm looking for? We've become heirs with Christ and given full um, benefits, like as if we were his natural-born child, Jesus. It's It's an amazing, amazing thing. I'd encourage you, dig more into that in Scripture. There's a bunch of other places that talk about that if that interests you. So we become part of his family, and here's the second benefit. Also in verse 15, it says, Instead you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So here's the second benefit. We get to call God by a special name. And the special name is Abba. Now, certainly there's some great names for God. Shout some out. Great names of God. Shout them out. Just shout on. Keep going. Shout them out. Keep going. Shout them out. We could go on and on and on. There's hundreds of special names for God. And, um, and yet here in this passage, um, here's, a, here's a pretty special name of God that not everybody gets to address God this way. Okay? In fact, uh, the Aramaic word um, Abba, and it's one of those words that's called transliterated words. It means when the, when the Bible was translated into a different language from, uh, in this case, um, Greek, uh, the uh, Aramaic word was kept. Instead of being translated, it was kept. So it's kind of weird. There's a few of these words floating around the New Testament. This is one of them. Another word is the word Amen. That was kept. I can't think of any off the top of my head. There's others that I'll think about later, but here's one of these words that, so this is the Aramaic word, meaning that was the language that was commonly spoke during Jesus' day by the Hebrew, by the Jewish people. And, um, and so this word um, means dear father, or it's, it's, like, it's kind of like to, if, if we use the word today, it would mean dad, or maybe even we could go as far as to say it would mean daddy, okay? Um, 
It was never, listen, it was never used by the Jews to address God. They never would have used this word um, to address God. They would always have chosen a more lofty name like Yahweh or Elohim or one of those great majestic names of God. So not everybody gets to address God this way. Only when we when we brought into his family and become his adopted sons do we get to use this very special name. And I know that there was a part in my life, a time in my life, I should say, when I balked at this, like, oh, I could never call God such an intimate name. It really, like, made me uncomfortable. And I don't know if that's you or has ever been that for you, but now I'm, like, all in on this name. Like, to call the almighty creator of the universe, get to call him Abba? Like, like Dad? What a, what a privilege that is. Um, so it was never used by the Jews of the day, but it was used by Jesus. Jesus used this name a couple of times when he addressed the Father. So, you know, if Jesus did it, it's good for, for us, isn't it? Um, one of the times Jesus used it is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. <clears throat> and um, right before, you know, the people were going to come to arrest him, and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Abba, Father. And he says, if everything is possible for you, Take this cup from me. This is probably the most um, <clears throat> vulnerable time of Jesus' life. He's praying, Father, Abba, Father, take this cup away from me. Like, if there's any other way, like, I don't want to go to the cross. Like, I don't want to take the cup of suffering. If there's any other way, Abba, Dad, take it away. Um, it's also the... Uh, in the, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, um, it's also the Aramaic word found there. So Jesus used it a couple of times. Galatians chapter 4 uses it. I want to read that verse for you. It says, Because we are His children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father. So very similar to what we're talking about here <clears throat> in Romans chapter 8. It's here, though, that uh, the Holy Spirit compels us to cry out, Abba, Father. I heard a story, it was really a really good story, I want to just share with you real quick, that um, uh, there was a little boy and father, they were in, over in Jerusalem, walking around this, the city of Jerusalem, and they were down in one of the markets, and very busy down there in the markets, and um, as sometimes happens, father and son get separated in this market. This is a little little boy, just barely able to speak, just a little toddler, and father and son get separate in this super busy market. And um, so, you know, uh, it, it takes a couple of minutes for the father to realize, he looks around and he can't find his son. Where's my son? I don't see him anywhere. So he begins to panic like any good father would. And he's, he's walking around, he's like, I can't find my son, I can't find my son. And the son realizes it too and begins to cry and cry and cry. And all of a sudden, the kid just cries out, starts calling out, Abba, 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 just crying out, Abba. And the, the dad hears his son's voice and he, you know, he, he's able to find this son. They weren't actually that separated. And he, and he's it. But that's like, like what's going on here, right? This cry of Abba. It's not an intellectual cry. 
It's the cry of a, of a child who needs their dad. It's a special way that we get to call out to our Heavenly Father because we're His children. It's a privilege to be on intimate terms with God. Don't, man, I can't make you do this, but let me encourage you, don't balk away from, from being on intimate terms with God. Don't feel like God is so majestic and unapproachable that you can't have a personal relationship with Him because Jesus died to make that possible. And the Holy Spirit came into our lives to make that possible. It's a privilege that we get to have this intimate term. But the question is, do we take advantage of it? Um, so here's a third benefit. Okay, so we've been adopted into his family, which is great. We get to call him this very special name, Abba. And then in verse 16, gives us another one. Verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. We have assurance that we're his children. I know, I, I think I just talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it's, I don't know, I think it's okay to say it again. Do, you, do we ever feel insecure in our relationship with God? Or maybe we don't wonder if we're saved. Uh, maybe that's not it. We'll go to that extreme, but maybe we just feel a little bit blah. Like a little bit, mm, I just... I feel a little, what's, I don't even think of the right word, just a little mediocre, maybe um, just a little bit in the valley or just a little bit separated or just kind of dry or whatever. And, um, well, I do. I, and it seems like a, probably all of us as believers feel this way from time to time. I was just reading this really good book this past week, and he was talking about, uh, the author was talking about how all of us experience desert times in our lives, right? Those times where we just feel like we're out um, <clears throat> kind of kind of in a dry, a dry portion of our life, or maybe even just separated from God a little bit. And he used the, specifically used the word desert time because <clears throat> um, it's in the desert that oftentimes what happens in Scripture oftentimes in, when people go out into the desert? Bad stuff. What? And I, okay. Like, suffering sometimes happens out there, right? And I think of, like, Moses, right, and the children of Israel and all the difficulties they had in their 40 years. <clears throat> um, Jesus goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. Um, so sometimes when, uh, when we head out to the wilderness or the desert period, um, you know, suffering comes. And, <clears throat> you know, just being good... Um, people who like our lives to be full of good and not suffering, we balk at that. We're like, oh man, suffering, I don't want to go down that road again. And sometimes though, and that's right, we don't want to unnecessarily suffer, but sometimes, you know, God brings these desert experiences into our lives because there's something that he wants to teach us. There's a lesson that he wants um, for us to learn, and the only way we can learn that lesson is to walk through a little bit of a, a difficult patch. And so that's why I'm so thankful for promises like this in verse 16 that um, give truth to the fact that we, are, we, we have assurance that we are God's children. It says the Holy Spirit testifies 
with our spirit that we are children. That's a pretty powerful testimony. Um, The spirit not only makes us children of God and takes up residence in our hearts, but also gives us some kind of inner insurance confirming our relationship with God. It's like, you know, a relation, any relationship that we may have, any close relationship with a, with a spouse or a child or a close friend. Um, we generally know how they feel about us. We know that they love us because of the type of relationship we have or the way they treat us. But sometimes it's good to hear it, right? The words, I love you. just to be sure. (laughs) And um, it's so important for us as believers to have assurance of our salvation, to be sure that God really does love us. And one of the ways he does that is by um, sending the Spirit into our lives. And maybe it's through a sign or a wonder. Maybe that's through a, a still, small voice in our ear. Maybe that's just through his presence Maybe that's through a scripture we read. And then we can truly begin to believe that we are heirs uh, of our Father. And here's, um, so that's the fourth benefit. Uh, verse 17, we'll close with this. So if we're children, we're also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And then here's the part that we maybe want to erase from the Bible. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So, again, here's that theme of suffering. To be an heir, excuse me, is to be rightfully in line to inherit all that the Father has. And there's a passage in Ephesians that actually says that we have already inherited these things because we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians. Is that, I think it's Ephesians 1, I can't remember. But he goes on to list all the things that we have as our inheritance that we already possess because we are in Christ. And um, because of our adoption into his family, and because we are his children, and children possess a right to receive all that God has promised to give each of his children, to give each of us. Um, including everything that was promised to the original heir, Jesus. So we have this new life in the Spirit. And with this new life comes all these responsibilities, many more that we didn't even talk about today, comes all these benefits, many more that we didn't talk about today. And and in addition to that, it comes all this fruit that, that we get to... Um, receive and live out. It, it comes with all the gifts of the Spirit, and, and I'm, I'm a believer that, that all the gifts are here and available, and God wants us to have them and use them, even the ones that may make us a little uncomfortable. Um, we have all the power. We saw, we saw earlier, we have all the power of God residing in us. Will we take advantage of it? <clears throat> Or will it remain dormant in our lives? It's not a question of do we have it or do we not have it. We have it. 
We, right? We just established, we spent the last half an hour talking about that. We have it. We have the power in us because we have the Spirit. We have all the benefits because we have the Spirit. This is not, not the question. We just, and we answered that. The question is, will we take advantage of it? And, and again, uh, will we drink from the living waters or are the, have the waters run a little bit um, dry in our lives? The elders of the church, um, six amazing men, well, five amazing men and me, and uh, I can't call myself amazing. Six guys, though, um, and it's the way our church had... Um, is uh, overseen by the elders. And um, lately we've been talking about and seeking what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our fellowship. And uh, it's been good. We've been um, praying a lot together and reading a book together and studying scriptures together and thinking about things. And one verse we were just looking at this past week Um that, uh, that I think is pretty powerful, and I want to close with it today. It's in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, and I'll, I'll just read it. You probably know it. So 1 Corinthians 13 talks about what? Love. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about what? Spiritual gifts. And then verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1, it says this, Pursue love, which is a good thing, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I'll say it again. You guys know it, right? Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Um, I was thinking about this in terms of a little bit of slightly different context, but not really. And I was thinking about it this week. Do we need to ask ourselves this question, and we'll close with this, is that do we earnestly desire the Holy Spirit to be more powerful um, part of our lives with all the benefits that He brings? Do we earnestly desire that? Those are not my words. That's God's word, that He commands us to earnestly desire. And I was personally convicted that I don't think I really was, if I was honest. I just was not earnestly desiring the Holy Spirit, earnestly desiring the spiritual gifts. I wasn't earnestly desiring prophecy. And, um, and I had to really repent of that this week, and I was able to be prayed for by the elders. It really was amazing. Changed, began to change some things with me. So now, now what I referred to earlier, I want to... I want to take my pain and spread it around with you guys. Because why not? So I'll ask you that question. Are you earnestly desiring the Holy Spirit to become a, a, a part of your life in a, in a more powerful way? Again, it's not, it's not that if we possess it or not, we do. But do we want it? Do we want Him to be in our lives in a powerful way? And I can't answer that question for you. I, um, I would encourage you to seek, seek some time with the Lord today before you forget about it and see, if, see what He might want to do in your life.
see if he might want to um, take you, you know, in a new, in a new, stronger direction with him. Um, just throw that out to you. So I'm going to pray for us now, and I, if it's okay with you, I want to pray for this. And if you don't want to receive this prayer, just don't listen, okay? But if you, and I don't, I don't say that to be funny, really. Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to push this on you if you don't want it or if you're not ready. But I, if uh, this is a command from Scripture and I want to be obedient, and I, I want, hopefully you guys want to be obedient as well. So I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I just love, love, love you. And I thank you for all that you do. And, and I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the message that we have today from the Spirit of God. And, and um, I'll, be, I'll be the first in line to confess that this is, sometimes it's hard for me when I read things that, that make me uncomfortable and convicted. And yet I know it's a good thing. I know that spirit that you don't want to leave us uh, all the time comfortable. You want to press into us a little bit and push us a little bit, just like Jesus did with his disciples. He broke down a bunch of their walls of religion and, and tradition and to make them into the people he wanted, us, wanted them to be. And you do the same thing with us still today through your spirit. You know that great scripture that says it's, Jesus, you said, it's better that I go away because when I go away, the helper will come, the spirit will come, and he will guide you into all truth. And so that's all we ask for today. We just ask that we will be led into all truth by you, Holy Spirit, and that we would be more willing and obedient to the word, to the commands of Scripture, and... um, and specifically, the, what we've been talking about today, that we want to understand that we are your children with all the, the responsibilities and benefits that come with that, and that we've been given all the power uh, of God because God lives in us. Spirit, thank you. And, um, and so we want to earnestly desire the Holy Spirit, earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit. And maybe you want to lead us, some of us, into the gift of prophecy, like we read there in verse 1. Maybe you want to lead us into some of the gift of healing. Maybe you want to lead some of us into the gift of giving. Or maybe you want to lead some of us in the gift of encouragement or hospitality. Lord, we don't want to be bigots when it comes to your spiritual gifts. We don't want to pick some that we want and forget the rest. We want, we, want to, we, want to, we want them all. And, um, and so we just want to submit to you, Holy Spirit. So I pray here this morning for us, for my friends here, that we would continue to walk being led by your Spirit and by your Word. And those will will work its power and productivity and new life into us. And that we would find joy and peace in our relationship with you. And that most, maybe most importantly of all, that it would bring you glory by how we live our lives. That's really what we want to do. We want to bring you glory. So we love you, God. Amen.